wake up. Open your eyes, beautiful one. Put on his majestic strength. Arise. Shake off the dust. It's time. Our great and glorious God is here. A new decade of joy. A new decade of hope. A new decade of miracles. Welcome New Life Church to our digital campus. We're so glad you've taken the time to join us. You just saw some information about Woman Conference. It's coming just in a few days, but it's not too late to sign up. If you can go to womanconference.tv, you can just click a link there and register. Bring some friends. Don't come alone. Invite your friends. Maybe pay their way to come. We want to see you here because we believe God is going to move in powerful ways in the lives of the women of our church and the women of our state. Pastor Mark Pegley is about to bring us a message on boldness that you're not going to want to miss. But before we do that, we're going to spend a few moments in worship. So if you can, just now, quiet your heart, quiet your mind, and focus on Him as we worship. Let's go.
church. He's alive, amen. Thank you,
presence of God during worship today. And I'd love just to go ahead and open up this time in the word and prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for the way your presence is just refreshing and encouraging so many. And Lord, we pray as the truth goes forth in your word, that it will come alive in each and every person and your will and your best will be accomplished in and through it. In Jesus name, amen and amen. Well, good morning, New Life Church. My name is Mark, and my lovely wife, Leslie, and I are part of the team here. We, we pastor the Russellville campus, and we are just thankful and honored to be here with you today. You know, one of the many things that I love about being part of New Life Church is that we have people from just all over the faith journey, people who are followers of Christ, the people who are trying just to, to figure it out still. And we love that about our church. So today, though, I want to kind of be clear because I want to focus in today on the Christ follower. And this kind of got stirred up in me this past summer. I had a, had a really, really good friend who, who died, and he was a pastor friend for over 30 years years. And, and I kind of struggled with this because he died young. And I thank God for my wife who really helped me just process, process through some of that, that difficult time. And, and one of the things about it is, and I think many of you may have experienced this in your life, I had some regrets. I, I kind of wish I, I would have done a little bit more because his last years were just tough. And him and I always dreamed, I can remember our conversation, just about finishing strong. And I know he didn't finish as strong as he wanted to. But I was so honored when his, when his kids called me and they wanted me to lead the celebration of his life. So I went back to Ohio where I originally moved from to, to here to Arkansas. We've been in Arkansas for about 12 years now. But as I got back in Ohio, I got around all kinds of people that I hadn't seen for years. And then this realization kind of hit me. And it's going to sound maybe a little funny to you because I'm a pastor, but I think many pastors can relate because it's something that I talk a lot, a lot about, but somehow I really got disconnected, like I think like every one of us can, from how lost 
so many people really were. I mean, it hit me. It was like I had this fog on my glasses. I took my glasses off and I cleaned them off and I could see so much clear. And then watching and reading what's going on in our country, we're clearly not a Bible-based or guided nation any longer. And there are just so many lost spiritually. And even living here in Arkansas and in our community and in, in the Bible Belt, there's so many people that are pro-church. They say, I go to church. And, you know, they, they believe in church, but they're still, they still can be lost because some get trapped in this thing called religion or, or they get religious. And, and religious is just being lost because a lot of times in religion, we're, we're creating our own style, or our own Christianity, because religion really is just man-made's attempt to God, where Christianity at the heart and soul is a relationship. It's a relationship by, that comes through grace by faith in Jesus Christ. And then the millennials and the Z generation are one of the most biblically lit generations that, that we've had here in our, in our nation, and so many of them are following so-called online theologians who are rewriting scripture to agree with this sinful behavior. And I said all that to say is just lost. The end result is lost. And then I look at us as the church, not just new life, but as the church. And I'm asking, what am I doing? How did we get this far? And then in the church, I see this in some that when it comes to God, they have this sense. And I know how you can get there, like this sense of entitlement because it's fueled by our culture. People have said to me over and over again, I've gone to church, I go to church, I prayed that prayer, and I read my Bible and whatever, but God never, you know, God didn't, I didn't get that better job that I was asking for God for. My marriage didn't get any better. I didn't get that girl that I wanted to date. She ended up dating someone else. I didn't have that baby I wanted. And, and I'll hear people even go to the extent, I, like, I've tried this. I tried God, but it didn't work. Why, why would anybody even say that? It's because God didn't do what I wanted him to do. Because entitlement says God owes me. But since when did Christianity become about us? And by the way, welcome to New Life Church where we make you feel great <laughs> about life. But, but I got a point here that I'm driving to. One man said it like this. Let me, let me put it, let me summarize it all like this. So many people think that God exists for them when in reality we exist to serve and to honor God. And when, people, when Jesus invited people to follow him, let's look at this in Mark chapter 8, verse 34. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. So as fully devoted followers of Christ, remember I'm talking to Christ followers today, we have to lock into this truth. And I think John the Baptist had this, had a revelation of this. It needs to become less and less about us and more and more about him. And let me tell you, life is so much better when it's more about him. So my goal today is simple, but it's profound. I just want to spur you on to share the love of Jesus, to live unashamed, to be bold about your faith. So let me give you a little context today concerning the scriptures that we're going to look at to kind of get this thing started. So if you can imagine the disciples 
Jesus was basically, he, he was pouring into them for about three years. He was teaching them what it means to know God, and he was teaching them how to do God's will. And so Jesus is telling them every so often during this year, hey guys, you got to remember why we're doing all of this, because one day I'm going to have to die, but after three days, God will raise me from the dead. Well, the disciples had a really difficult time with this because they didn't understand the full context of it like we do today. And they're saying, no, Jesus, you can't do this. And Jesus is saying, yes, this is why I came. I'm going to have to die for the forgiveness of sins. He said, guys, listen, I didn't come for the righteous. I came for the sinner. I didn't come for the healthy. He said, I, I came for the sick. So, so Jesus ended up, as we know, he went to the cross. He suffered brutally. Then three days later, it's Sunday evening now. So what do you think the disciples were doing at that point? You think they're out there, hey, everybody, he's coming back anytime. Remember what Jesus said, he's coming back anytime. No, 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 that's not what they were doing. Look at this. I want you to see this. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it said that Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Why? because they were afraid of those who were enemies of Christ. Now, let me ask you a question, Christ follower. Why is it we are often not more bold about our faith? And I think there's a lot of reasons, but if I, could, if I would just narrow it down, I think the root cause is simply fear. I mean, if we're honest with ourselves. A lot of times we're afraid of what others will think about us. We're, we're afraid maybe we don't got it right or we, we'll get it right or we, we don't know enough. We're behind locked doors just like they were. They were afraid of the Jew, Jewish leaders. And I totally and completely get that. Even though I'm a preacher, I don't wake up in the morning and I yawn and I just go, Hulk, and I just charge into my day with this supernatural boldness. And to tell people about Jesus, no, I deal with the same challenges and the fears that you do. So why is it we're not bolder about our faith in Christ? And if I could say this, I think for most of us, because we're really not locked in to the will of God. Instead, we're locked into fear or we're locked in by fear concerning this area. Let's look at the rest of this verse in John 20, 19. It said, Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. And suddenly Jesus was standing among them and he said, peace be with you. He said, he's like, what's up, guys? I'm back. I told you I am back. I tried to imagine that moment. What an amazing moment. But it was really interesting because from that moment on, these guys, man, in one moment, they're hiding behind locked doors. But now they're locked into the will of God. They're bold. Even Peter, the biggest wimp of them all, when he denied Christ three times, Peter is now preaching in front of thousands of people. He's saying, man, repent and be baptized for forgiveness of sins. You couldn't shut these guys up now. Even the, <clears throat> the elders and the leaders of that day threw them in jail and you still couldn't shut them up. Actually, in Acts chapter 4, verse 6, and I encourage you to read the whole chapter of, uh, 4 of Acts this week because it is so inspirational. But here we go. It says, Annas the high priest says, he's speaking to Peter and John. He said, you healed this guy. By what power and in what name did you do this? And here we see Peter in Acts chapter 4, verse 8 through 10. Peter, it says, 
filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Now watch the boldness here, everybody. He said, let me clearly state to all of you. And I want to say this up front because Peter, when he was talking to the leaders and the elders, he didn't have this cocky kind of rebel attitude, which sometimes we portray it to be. No, he was being very respectable and honorable when he was talking to them because Jesus died for the rulers. He died for the elders as well. And Peter wanted to reach them. So he said, let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God <clears throat> raised from the dead. What was he doing here? Because Jesus defeated death, hell, and the grave. The very man that bailed on Jesus in his worst moment was now bold because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what can we learn from this? Well, there's a principle I'm going to challenge you with today. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. And the principle is simply this. We speak boldly about what we genuinely believe. Let me say it again. We speak boldly about what we genuinely believe. And we all do this because Peter experienced a resurrection of Christ. This consumed him because later on, these same religious leaders began to threaten him with their lives. And so let's see how he responded to that. In Acts chapter 4, verse 19 and 20, it says, But Peter and John replied, because they're telling them, you can't talk about Jesus anymore. And here was their response. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? And they said, we cannot stop talking about what we have seen and heard. Listen, when we are convinced that we get, we, we got to say something, then we all do. It's like if, if you go to a restaurant and it's amazing, you want to get up in everybody's business and tell them, man, that steak, it melted in my mouth, or that Italian food, it, it's something to die for. Or if you're like me, I like comfortable clothes, and I found some comfortable clothes that, and I'm also a tightwad that was inexpensive, and I want to tell everybody about it. Or you're watching something on like Netflix, or I don't know if you've ever seen the series Chosen. It's amazing. You'll want to watch it all weekend long. Whenever we are convinced about something, we want to talk about it, man, because we boldly speak about what we genuinely believe. So here's my question. If we're not speaking boldly about our faith in Jesus, I mean, do we really believe it? Like, are we really convinced like Peter, Peter said, let me, let me tell you about the powerful name of Jesus because this brother was convinced. Let's look at this in verse 12 and 13. There is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. And they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. And they also recognized that these men had been with Jesus. They were amazed at their boldness, it says. So let me ask you this. Those of you that are Christians, how amazed are other people at your boldness in Christ? 
Now, let me, let me clear up a myth here because boldness is not the result of personality. Actually, boldness is the fruit of what you're most passionate about, your true conviction. As a pastor, I talk to people all the time, and I talk to the, some of the shyest people, but if I tap into their passion, they'll talk to me about it all day long. So let me ask the question again. How amazed are people by your boldness for Christ? Years ago, when I was a young Christian, I had such a revelation of eternity for whatever reason. And if I loved you and you were a friend of mine, I wanted you in heaven with me. So I filled the pews at our church up with people. And I had the privilege to lead the majority of my family to the Lord. And, and later on, as I became a youth pastor, we, we were in a city called Warren, Ohio. We were called Refuge. We had hundreds of students. If you would ask people that knew us back then to give you one word to describe us, they would say we were bold. But now I fast forward to today in my life, and I was just thinking this through about a month ago, that I intentionally am encouraging people all the time, doing good things for people. We do that as a church, but I realize we never share the why. Like if you would ask a lot of people in my community, I would hope they would say, yeah, Pastor Mark's a nice guy. But this is what happened. This is what I realized, that we were sucked into the world's mold not wanting to offend or, or to be pushy or whatever. Not even, I wouldn't even invite people to church because I didn't want them to think we were doing what we're doing so they would come to our church. Or I, I just wouldn't talk about the why behind who we are and what we've done. And it's not because I'm a good guy or we are a good church. No, it's because of a God who loved me so much that he sent his best for a sin-stained man like me who made me right with him, who gave me a purpose worth living for, who, who, who restored me to a relationship that I was created for so that I could declare that my God has given me everything I need for life and godliness. I am content and full of joy because Jesus is more than enough. And the truth is, I want everyone, I want the whole world to know and experience that. And the truth is, I'm not pushy anyway. Everyone knows you can't shove Jesus down anyone's throat. And if you're out there doing that, you need to smack your own self upside your head because it doesn't work, but I'm not that. And the truth is, I love our church. And whether you go to our church or you go to somewhere else, we all need to be part of the church if we're going to be fully devoted followers of Christ. So my point is, years ago, people were amazed at my boldness, but recently... I personally have been bothered by the lack of it. So what would it be for you? Would people, what would they say? Would they be amazed at your boldness? Or would, would they even be surprised to know that you're a Christ follower? So if you're a Christ follower, we are called <laughs> to go into all the world. We're called to be the salt in the life, uh, the light in this world. So how do we grow? How do we grow in boldness? Well, really quickly, I have two simple thoughts that I want to take from Acts 4. And again, I challenge you to read that this week. These are simple, but they are profound. But before I get into that, I just want to speak to you. And if you, if you wouldn't mind for a moment, just let me pastor you for a moment. Because as I was putting this together, I was just thinking that as a church, one of our core values is we value souls. In other words, <laughs> we're not settling for our family, our friends, our cities, our community, missing out on eternity with Jesus. 
and boldness, and this is what you got to grab today, boldness cannot be sustained when you're doing it out of guilt or this duty mentality. No, write this down if you're taking notes. Boldness with potency is a result of conviction and passion. For example, my dad. My dad's an Italian. I had a lot of respect for my dad. I wanted him to know Christ. I was just so intimidated to talk to him about Christ. I'll never forget one day I had the opportunity. I was taking him to the airport. I was just trying to trying to get it out. And I just simply said, Dad, I said, Dad, I, I love you. And if something would ever happen to you, I didn't know where you're spending eternity. I, I just don't know how I could live with myself. And that was the beginning of me being bold in my dad's life. But to fast forward, a long story short, it took 15 years. And I'll never forget the day my dad called me up and said he gave his heart to Jesus. But on the other side of that, I've been bold with people for Christ. And it's lasted <laughs> about 15 minutes because I did it out of duty. There, there are just, in this world today, guys, our family, our communities are counting on us because the battle is real. So how do we grow bold in faith with conviction and passion? Number one, remember this is not revolutionary, but I hope this jumps off the page at you today. More time with Jesus. Daniel 11.32 says it like this, but the people who know their God shall be strong and do great things. In context, that verse is talking about when culture in the whole world is running away from God. These people are running to God, the people that know their God. So what does that mean? Like, like how do we know our God like that? Well, it means we're praying. It means we're listening to him. It means we're reading his word. We're spending time with Jesus. Look at it, verse 13 in Acts 4. It says, they were amazed by the disciples' boldness, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures, and they also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. So what happens when we're followers of Christ, but we don't spend time with Jesus? Well, our natural default mode as human beings is we go inward. We, life becomes all about us. Even as the church, when we, when we get away from it being about Jesus, the church goes inward. But let me tell you what happens to me. I've said this for years, that we can backslide in 24 hours. And just a few weeks back, it was a, it was a Monday, and for whatever reason that day, I was just mean and touchy. I told Leslie that night, I kind of said something in a little bit, I shouldn't have said, let's put it that way. And I could tell I hurt her a little bit. And I remember looking at her and said, honey, I am so sorry. I said, I don't even like me today. And as I look back on my day, I realized I didn't spend any quality time with God. And I mean, in the morning or throughout the day, I wasn't heavenly minded at all. And actually, I'm just like you. I was just touchy. I was consumed with everything in this world. Like, I think we all can, can get at times when, when our eyes are off the Lord. And then after I miss one day, I don't know if you're like me, but it, it's so easy to miss the next day and the next day. And next thing I know, I experience these negative spiritual consequences in my life. But now on the other hand, like I do most days, I wake up and the first thing I normally do in my day, whether it's 10 minutes or, or two hours, I begin to declare God's truth over my life. I begin to listen and let his word renew my mind. I pray in the spirit and I begin to pray for people and their situations and, and their circumstances. And what happens when I do that is I get this selfless 
attitude. It's Jesus's attitude. And so when I walk out into my world, what do I have? I got the hookup, man. I'm confident and I'm ready, man, for God to use me. In other words, it builds my faith. And it can become addicting in, in a good way, in a good way when I spend more time with Jesus. So if you want to grow in boldness, the first thing we got to get is we got to spend time with Jesus. Because to know him, to really know him is to love him. And to love him is to serve him. And to, to serve him is to do the great things that, that it told us in Daniel 11, 32, 32, that we can do. And those great things are reaching and rescuing what God's most passionate about is us people. And the second thing, and we're going to land here, is this. It's ask God for boldness. When's the last time? that you ask God for boldness. I double dog dare you because he will answer that prayer. Let's look at what happened to the religious leaders. They're threatening, threatening the disciples. And I don't know if you, if you can imagine this, that you can go to jail over your, being bold for your faith or you can literally lose your life. This is what these guys were facing. And actually, that's real time for thousands of people in our world right now, like over in Afghanistan or in North Korea. But what if it was that situation was for you? What if you were dealing with that? What would you do? Would you be hiding behind locked doors? Or would you be locked into the will of God? Like, how would you pray? Let's look at the disciples. In verse 29 of chapter 4, it says, And now, O Lord, hear their threats. And give us your servants great boldness in preaching your word. When we spend time with Jesus, we grow bold in our faith. And when we ask for boldness, he helps strengthen our faith. And then we start remembering what really matters. And this is where I'm going to close this thing out. We start remembering eternity. Because eternity becomes our focus because in this life, every single human being is going to spend their eternity somewhere. It's either going to be in this glorious place called heaven or in this horror of eternal damnation in hell. And don't get nervous because I am not a fan of preaching fire and brimstone or scaring people into choosing Christ. But I cannot be true to God's word without telling you there's a very real place that the Bible calls hell. It's called eternal damnation, a place of torment, outer darkness, a place of sorrow. Actually, words can't even convey the horror of hell, but in the same way, there is another place that we cannot adequately come up with the words to, to, you know, to talk about its glory and its beauty and its splendor. It's what the Bible calls heaven. Paul said this about heaven in Acts, uh, I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2, 9. And he had a glimpse of it in his life. And this is what he said. He said, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. We cannot even dream it up or explain it. It's a whole nother world and it is glorious. God has made and prepared heaven for us. We speak boldly about what we genuinely believe. But please listen. But a timid, fearful faith doesn't reach a lost, hurting, 
in a broken world. This past week, I had the elders over at my house and the elders, one of the elders' wives was talking about a loved one that she got a call about a month ago that he was going to die. He was on his, he was on his last hours. And right away, she started thinking about eternity and she wasn't sure of his eternity. So she talked, she told us how she went to the hospital and she asked the doctor, doctor, you think he could hear me right now? And the doctor said, yeah. So he, she walked up to him and she grabbed his hand and she said into his ear, she said, if you can hear me, please squeeze my hand. And, and he did. Then she began to share with him about how he could receive the forgiveness of his sins. And she began to share this, this amazing news, how he could be in heaven. And then when she was done sharing, she asked him, did you hear what I just shared with you? And he squeezed her hand. So like the elder's wife, all of us, we need to understand that there are people in our lives right now that we love who don't know the grace of Jesus. And at this moment, it's not too late for them. But one day, it will be too late. And we tend to think, come on, we, we all battle with this fear. What if I share my faith with them and, and they, they reject me? Or I know something I battle with is like, what if our relationship won't be the same anymore if I share my faith with them? But I think a question that's more powerful and that trumps that question is this. What if I don't? Like, what if my elder's wife, when this man is facing eternity, what if she didn't share it? You got to remember, there was one moment. It was like, boom, they were scared. They were intimidated. But when they realized that Jesus had risen, they, when they were convinced, everything changed. And my prayer right now is for some of you in this moment. You're convinced that Jesus is alive. And like Peter, who was just an ordinary person, you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can be bold in faith because we speak boldly about what we really believe. And we believe this, that Jesus is the way. He is the truth and he's the life. There's no other way to the Father except through him. He's the hope for this hurting, lost, and broken world. So as I get ready to pray with you today, Christ followers, I want you to think about praying with me. God, make me bold in my faith. And there may be some of you out there that you've never made this decision to accept Christ, or you've never really be, been convinced of who Christ is and what he's done for your life. You've gone to church. You may have flirted with the truth of how God loved you and he sent his son for you and he died and rose again so that you, all of us imperfect people, could be made right with him. You may have flirted with it, but you've never truly surrendered your life to Jesus. And today you want to do that. Well, first of all, I want to pray for the Christ follower. And second of all, if you want to accept Christ today, I want to pray with you. Father, I thank you today for your truth. And Father, I join those that are praying right now. And I pray, God, that you would give us, give us a boldness to declare the love of Jesus 
in everywhere we go. In Jesus' name. And then for those who are ready to say yes to Jesus, just pray this right there, wherever you may be sitting. God, today I thank you for the way you love me. Thank you for drawing me to you today. I ask you now to please forgive me for doing life my own way, for all of my sin. I thank you for Jesus who went to that cross. He died, but he rose again. And why that's the greatest news that I could ever hear, he made it possible for imperfect me now to be made right with you, God. And today I choose Jesus. I ask him to take center stage in my heart and in my life. And I declare him the Lord of my life now. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, everyone, can you join me as we go back and we spend some time worshiping this amazing God?
made a decision to follow Christ for the first time today, or maybe recommit your life, or maybe maybe you said, I need to be more bold in my faith, but I need help with that. We want to know about it. If you could text CONNECT, the word CONNECT, to 88,000, one of our pastors will reach out to you this week. This isn't just a one-way conversation. We want to interact with you throughout the week and help you in your faith. If you haven't had a chance to give this week to the mission and the vision of New Life Church, we want to provide an opportunity for that as well. You'll see some options on the screen. Because of your giving, we're able to do things like Woman Conference, where we're reaching people with the gospel of Christ, changing lives. It's huge. Your input into this mission is incredible. My wife and I give every month using the website. We just click on Give and fill out the amount and go. It's one of the ways that we worship every week through our giving. Well, thanks for being with us this week. We hope to see you next week. God bless you.